Hey guys, Bryce here from Flex Cortex. All content on the Flex Cortex podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitution for medical advice from a qualified health professional. Thank you and enjoy the podcast. Welcome back to Flex Cortex. This week we're going to be talking about a number of different cardiovascular diseases, as well as some of the many benefits of exercising and how it can lower the chances of these diseases occurring and improve upon aspects of your life. You pretty excited to talk about this one, Bryce? Yeah, I'm excited to jump into this one. Yeah. So uh, one of the first things I wanted to talk about was actually the heart and, um, you know, some of the how the heart works is basically it's like a it's like a pump if anyone knows what a pump is most people don't anyway um and uh what it'll actually do is there's four chambers to it and what it'll do is it'll squirt one uh one stroke will squirt from the atriums to the ventricles um and the atriums are a much smaller part of the heart muscle um and then that's like the lub and then the dub is the ventricles uh, actually squeezing, and that will uh, squirt blood either up into your lungs so that it can be oxygenated with gas exchange, or shoot it out to the rest of your body to get the oxygen to your cells, including those sweet, sweet gains. So, A little Bio30 recap for what... you. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, like, obviously there, it's the heart is actually a much more complex uh, muscle than even that, but... Uh, let's be honest with ourselves. Uh, I'm not a cardiovascular surgeon, um, uh, a heart doctor. I'm not a, uh, even a heart nurse really. Um, so you know what? It's fine. It's fine. It's uh, that will give you the, uh, basic knowledge you need to get through this episode. But there so. you go. You get laying, laying the groundwork. That's all we're doing. Laying the exactly. groundwork. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and like the reason why I say this is cause like, yeah, um, there's a few different concepts that we've even mentioned in previous episodes. Uh, one of them being like your heart rate, your stroke volume, your blood pressure. We talked about it really briefly, but like, what does that mean anatomically? And like, what's the science behind it, basically? Yeah. Um, one of the concepts is heart rate. Uh, is most people who have a heart beat well have heard before, um, <laughs> and it's the number of beats uh, your heart will actually. Uh, uh, pump in a minute uh so like if your heart rate is 60 that means your heart has actually contracted uh and it's mostly measuring the ventricle push out uh especially if you're uh, measuring it from the pulse and not actually from uh listening to the heart uh through stethoscope and uh yeah it's just measuring that push out and that pressure against your veins uh into the uh uh for the heart rate to measure mm. Uh, which I mean, I overcomplicated that. Basically, heart go boom, you feel it in your wrist. <laughs> heart go boom. Uh, yeah, heart go boom, uh, but not like a bad boom. Yeah, good that's, boom. Uh, that's one of the, yeah, good boom. We'll talk about bad booms in a little. Gonna make your heart boom. Uh, you want that, but not too much boom. Yeah, but not too much boom. Yeah, you heard it here first. Or not enough boom. There you go. <laughs> Um, I think we're just over. Yeah, I think we're just overcomplicating this. I think we're gonna move on to the next one. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a heart rate, guys. Uh, if you're listening to this, you probably have one. Uh, actually, so probably... sorry, sorry. I actually want to add one thing. When you are exercising, though, um, when you're measuring your heart rate, usually just palpating on your wrist, um, you're going to be measuring it for 10 seconds if you're actually exercising versus if you're not exercising, it's for 15 seconds. Just a, just yeah. a side note. And, yeah. like, and, like, one thing, like, if you're, you know, a healthcare professional or, you know, you've messed around with it, uh, like, I will measure from the carotid, which is in the neck, and it's just because it's, like, I find it easier, uh, especially if, like, I'm running or something. Mm-hmm. But, like, uh, please, if you have never done it, if you don't have the knowledge or expertise, don't don't touch your carotid. I mean, like, the uh, things from, like, doing one side isn't, like, that horrible. But you got to remember, like, the carotid artery uh, or uh, carotid vein. I think it's the artery. Uh, it's jugular vein for return. Uh you know, like measuring there is fine, especially for short periods, but that's one of the main arteries that is supplying your brain. So you don't really want to mess with it too, too much. Uh, you do have two on either side of your head. Uh, so like doing one isn't too bad. Never, ever, <laughs> even in healthcare, we never do it. Like don't ever do both. You will pass out. And if it's held for too long after that by like a healthcare professional, you can die. Um, if there's enough pressure applied, that's, uh, that's what happens when like you strangle someone that that's what's happening. So, that's why you go night, night. So moral of the story, what don't touch your neck, one side or your <laughs> wrist, one side yeah, or just, your wrist, just go, go for your wrist, mess around. Um, it, it's really hard for a lot of people who've never done it to actually get a radio, but as soon as you kind of know where to feel especially on yourself mm. it'll be pretty easy to get uh keep getting it yeah and uh i'm sure you probably learned the same thing but a tip is to use your fingertips right because they're more sensitive oh yeah like you always use your fingertips yeah. like because um, like you also when you use your fingertips um uh, people won't usually use as much pressure because like it's actually a very light touch that you're using because if you press too hard you actually include um the uh, arteries or veins in your uh, uh, your wrist too, so like, I mean, also not great. It's not the end of the world, but um, yeah, like, uh, just just you know, be gentle. Be gentle. Be careful. Go for the wrist. Be gentle. There you go. Those are, there you go. Those are the tip the tips of the day for the heart rate. The takeaway for the heart rate. Yeah. That I just want to like let the people at home know. Um, this was literally two lines on our uh, script, and it's been like a five minute rant about heart rate. So yeah, that's uh, that's okay. That, that, it happens. That's uh, that's the reveal of the episode here. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about stroke volume. Uh, this refers to the volume of blood that is pumped by the heart with each contraction. And basically just telling you how much good, good juice, a.k.a. blood, is actually going through the body. You say good, you uh, say good juice? Yeah, good, good juice. Okay. Never heard, never heard that a, before? <laughs> I mean, no one no one calls it that. Uh, that's just me, because I'm weird. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, blood does good things for your body. Uh, nursing things? You, yeah, nursing <laughs> things. 
Okay, yeah. I, I, you know, if there's any nurses listening to this podcast or like healthcare professionals, they'll be like, no one calls it good, good juice. Well, you heard it here. Yeah. <laughs> I do, okay? So if you see it trending, uh, yeah. Maybe it'll trend. Yeah. Make it trend on Twitter, guys, and Instagram. <laughs> Hashtag good, good uh, juice. <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, the stroke volume uh, actually relates to like if there's not enough um, or uh, too much, that could be either hypervolemia or hypovolemia, which basically just means there's uh, too much fluid in your blood. Um, your uh, overall volume and how much you're circulating to will kind of depend on your heart rate um, and some of the complications that can uh, rise from like uh, the more your heart beats, the more blood you're pu- is pumping through the body basically i cannot leave heart rate alone apparently <laughs> no no it's like beating dead horse but that's okay that's okay in this case in um, this case though beating a live horse right yeah uh, a horse with a very good pulse there you go <laughs> enough dad jokes let's move on <laughs> yeah uh the next thing we're going to talk about is just blood pressure uh that's where you know the uh you, you go to the uh yearly checkup that you all go to obviously 100 um where they puff up that cuff and that's just testing how much pressure um your blood when it's flowing through is basically pushing against that uh cuff uh and it's measured in uh, uh millimeters of mercury uh which the normal average is like 120 over 80 that's our textbook like glorious uh values that we strive for yeah um, and yeah, it just literally reflects the efficiency of blood through through the cardiovascular system. Uh, fun fact, the minimum of 60 systolic, so that's the top number, like the 120, uh, the minimum of 80 is required to actually perfuse like your vital organs, like your kidneys, your brain, uh, and actually the heart itself, which has uh, these things called coronary arteries, because believe it or not, your heart also needs blood and oxygen to survive. Because it doesn't get it from it when it pumps through. Now, a lot of people don't actually realize that. I don't think if they haven't taken a bio class in a few years. Good good fact. I actually didn't know that either, I don't think. It's a good refresher anyways from what I've learned in school. Yeah. Because like, uh, usually how it works is like your cells will uh, use capillaries to actually do that exchange for oxygen to actually power their metabolism. But in the heart, um, like I'm sure there's some that will actually get oxygen that way but the majority of it because it's such a um it's like one of the it's your muscle that's working constantly like i said it's like doing 60 uh bicep curls and that's the low end for heart rate you know a lot of people are you know 80 beats per minute and that's literally basically doing like 80 dumbbell curls uh every single minute of your life uh and that's like when you're chill yeah <laughs> so yeah totally i mean that your your heart is pretty swole, uh, not swollen, but pretty pretty buff. There you so. go. <laughs> All right, and to uh, kind of segue, uh, we'll actually talk about some cardiovascular diseases. Uh, so related to blood pressure, you have hypertension stage one, which is a blood pressure of like one thirty to one eighty, uh, sometimes referred to as like prehypertension. It's technically hypertension, but. Uh, really what you want to do is closely monitor this so that it's not like a um, you're not consistently in the 130s so things you can do to kind of like combat this is regular cardiovascular exercise that Bryce will go into more 
uh, proper diet, proper weight, and just doing things that are good to your heart. So uh, stage two is when that goes from uh, in the 130s to the 140s, over 90. Um, you may need to consider some antihypertensives if the underlying cause can't be addressed. Uh, a lot of them are idiopathic, which is basically just to say, you know, it just is. Uh, there is no known cause, so there's no like underlying disease or pathophysiology to it. Um, so with that, um, th things like that might be artificially boosting it are like pain, uh, severe stress, uh, cocaine usage, and other substances. Mm -hmm. um, will actually get that blood pressure higher and stopping those things or relaxation techniques or uh, other things can help bring that down. Yeah. Uh, but you will need antihypertensives uh, most likely if you're consistently there and close monitoring by a healthcare provider. Yeah, like caffeine and um, cigarettes would increase that too, right? Um. Yeah, I believe so. Because like, um, one of the things, caffeine is a stimulant. Um, so what it really, how it works is through increasing heart rate and the, an increased heart rate without proper, uh, vas like dilation of the veins and vasculature, uh, system, like your arteries and veins, um, you know, can actually increase, um, your blood pressure. Okay. Yeah. Um, and the smoking actually works by... Uh, another way where it actually constricts the uh, vessels so there's more like the blood is pumping with more pressure against them because it's a smaller hole um, <clears throat> and if you guys have ever like played around with you know water as a kid you'll know that the smaller your hole <laughs> that's what she said uh, yeah there's there's probably an innuendo <laughs> there or two um, the smaller the hole, the more pressure the water will actually come out if it's at, going at the same speed as a, a lar larger diameter pipe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. This is also a plumbing episode, apparently. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, like... yeah, and uh, a, a section from The Office, apparently, with all the that's what she said jokes. <laughs> Seriously. You know, uh, we're doing good that way, I think. <laughs> but yeah, no, I just remember in school they talked about uh, smoking and they talked about caffeine. And it kind of being a, like a prerequisite question that we ask for any kind of like yeah. physiological signs, because that can be a big indicator in affecting their blood pressure and even the heart rate, right? Which wouldn't be giving you like an accurate reading. So, yeah. And like, this is me nerding out about babies because like I, I love working with babies and uh, uh, women's health, as I've mentioned in previous episodes. Mm. Uh, if uh, the mom smokes throughout uh, pregnancy, there can be a lot of negative consequences, but one of the findings we'll actually see in babies afterwards is they're very uh, jittery. Uh, it's a, it's like they're almost having a nicotine withdrawal, which in some cases they are. It's weird. It's actually, it's crazy. Kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah, but um, you know, yeah, it's uh, nicotine and smoking and tobacco use. They're they're not great uh, for the body. No. As most of you guys who are listening are probably aware of, but. Uh, if you're smoking, uh, there is uh, different uh, areas and resources out there for you to help quit. Um, Alberta quits if you're in Alberta. Uh, so yeah, just a quick, quick stop smoking plug. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, um, so one of the big issues with uh, 
that high blood pressure is uh, it can end up leading to um, a stroke if it goes too high. Uh, if it, anything over 180 uh, uh, as a systolic or over 120 diastolic, the bottom number, um, the vessels uh, supplying the brain, since they're actually pretty sensitive, that pressure is enough to actually make them burst and cause a brain bleed uh, or a hemorrhagic uh, hemorrhage in the brain. So a hemorrhage stroke, basically, uh, because I can't see hemorrhage with the um, hemorrhagic itic or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Hemorrhage, yeah. <laughs> language is hard. English right? is a hard Listen. language. <laughs> it's hard. Um, uh, that uh, the next is actually coronary heart disease. Uh, this is a disease of the blood vessels supplying the heart muscles, uh, which can actually lead to heart uh, heart attacks, or also known as myocardial infarctions, which is basically saying, like how if you occlude the carotids, uh, occluding those veins uh, means that you won't get enough oxygen to the heart muscle, so those cells start dying. And as we mentioned with the heart rate, Heart, very important. Good, good juice supplied by heart. So, yeah, yeah good juice. <laughs> they, they, these can be, you know, catastrophic. And like people hear about heart attacks all the time. It's one of the leading causes of death in Canada and the Western world. So, um, that's can uh, coronary heart disease uh, can um, contribute to that. And like that's basically just like. Um, different pathologies with the heart but like uh the bigger one is plaque buildup um especially from like uh you know poor poor eating and poor exercise so that is like an artificial uh, it's similar to smoking where it's like constricting the vessel because there's less space because that plaque buildup is making the pipe smaller and smaller and eventually it can actually occlude completely which uh can lead to the heart attacks and even um, an incomplete blockage so that there is still some blood gaining through can still cause that uh, heart attack if there isn't enough blood going through and enough oxygen for the cells to, to thrive. You keep saying pipe. I think you could probably be a plumber if you don't stick with nursing. <laughs> That's a very funny joke, and it's actually something I considered at one point in my life, funny enough. Well, there you go. Yeah. I mean, nurses and uh, plumbers have a lot of overlap. Um and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, so the next we'll talk about is cerebral vascular disease, and this is disease of the blood vessels supplying the brain. Uh, different things that can happen with this again is like stroke. Um, other things are actually there's a type of uh, dementia, um, which most people will know, like a, a, an older person who has it, um, and this one's actually vascular dementia which is uh, obviously just problems with the brain and the brain not getting enough oxygen and like um, a bunch of other complex pathophysiology that I don't understand for uh, dementia um, that they're still trying to figure out. So, um, well, I mean, like, there's definitely a smarter guy out there who totally knows it all, but I, I do not. I will not pretend to. We'll, we'll leave it up to you guys if you guys want to dig into it more. Yeah. Um, peripheral arterial disease. So that just means like, um, disease of like the arteries away from the 
your core, so like your chest and like the your brain, stuff like that for vital organs. Uh, so it's affecting like blood supply to the arms and legs. Uh, rheumatism, heart disease, which is actually damage to the heart muscle and heart valves from something called rheumatic fever. Um, this is caused uh, by streptococcal bacteria, um, which is actually strep throat. So strep throat, if it's not properly treated, especially in um, pediatrics or children, it can lead to scarlet fever and some complications of like uh, rheumatic fever and rheumatism after that of the heart. So I actually, I had strep throat. I don't know if I told you that, did I? Uh, I'm not sure. It's a super common infection. I've had strep throat. Um, a lot of people will get it, and most of the time it will resolve on its own. Hmm. But um, it, it is important if you suspect that you have strep throat, which is like um, like a really sore throat and like having some breathing difficulties and like just kind of like not feeling the greatest overall. Yeah. Malaise, um, fever. Um, go see a doctor. Just just do it especially if you're in canada it's it's free here there's no excuse um yeah i remember just do it i remember i had it in 2011 so what grade would we have been in nine grade nine or ten nine, yeah i remember i remember it was 2011 because i remember i was home for a week like on uh antibiotics and skyrim came out so that's how i, <laughs> that's how I remember what year it was you know what that would actually have been pretty sweet I mean, like, strep throat sucks. Uh, when I had it, I felt like death uh, for a couple of days. Went on antibiotics, felt better within, like, 48 hours. Um, and actually went and did a um, community health project. We were doing uh, our community nursing clinical. Mm. Uh, and we had to do a presentation on um, a different neighborhood in Edmonton about uh, kind of what their health factors are. Um, we call them uh, uh, windshield uh, surveys, basically, okay. where you go and walk the community, talk to people of the community to kind of address their uh, determinants of health. So, yeah, uh, I, my strep throat experience has a less positive connotations, uh, but uh, I did enjoy Skyrim. Yeah, it was, it was good. <clears throat> I, uh, one thing I learned from it, though, is I'm pretty sure I got it from sharing a slush so moral of the story yeah. don't share your drinks or your food yeah their strep throat is one of the things that can actually be passed that way because it's um like i said bacteria um that's infecting your throat and obviously um especially if uh you have someone who likes to really get their lips around that straw it can be uh no bueno Lips around it, hey? We'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. Too many windows this uh, episode. <laughs> um, uh, one of the other ones is congenital heart disease. Um, if you don't have... If your doctor has never been like, hey, you have congenital heart disease, you're pretty much safe. Um, because it is malformations of the heart structure existing at birth. Mm -hmm. So um, when babies are born, we they actually have... Actually, before they're born, in... Uh, the uterus they have a different form of like vasculature and like uh, system how it circulates okay because if you don't know the baby is not or the fetus is not in you know a oxygen rich environment so to speak 
as in they're surrounded by amniotic fluid. So they can't exactly, you know, uh, take in a big breath to the lungs and uh, get oxygen that way. Um, they do actually breathe in the uterus and uh, drain uh, when their lungs develop. And their lungs are actually filled with um, that amniotic fluid. But uh, yeah, they're not getting oxygen from it that way. They're actually getting it through the umbilical cord. Okay. Um, that is actually connected to the placenta, which is connected to the mom's um, vascular system. It's very, very vascular. Um, and that's how they'll do gas exchange and everything else. Um, through that. Interesting. Anyway. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll do an episode uh, more on pregnancy and like exercise and stuff like that later down. Yeah. But like, sure. um, the big thing is when they're born, they actually have different holes in their heart and their um, aorta. Uh, so they should be closing within the first 24 hours of birth so that they transition from fetal to uh, neonatal uh, heart circulation, uh, which is like the normal uh, crying baby that you see like a month down the road. Um, so yeah, it's just one of those things where that might not properly close and depending on the severity, they might need surgery um, or other medications to help control that throughout their life. Very interesting. Lots of stuff I didn't know. Yeah. I know. I uh, went on a, a little side tangent there. Congenital heart disease. It's a, it's a special place. Yeah. It's a very interesting. I, I actually had a hole in my heart at birth. Um, f- fun fact. Did you? Uh, yeah. My mom never really got into too much detail. She's not um, She not is not actively in the healthcare field or, you know, um, necessarily super... Uh, knowledgeable about it like most people mm-hmm. for like heart disease so um i'm not sure what the hole was like where it was but it was likely like the uh uh is it the ductus uh one second i'll just have to excuse my typing uh i think it's the ductus ovala oval um ovali ovali uh, which is a uh, small hole that connects the uh, the, the septum that uh, splits up the ventricles and atrium, uh, which I didn't really get into uh, with the anatomy part, but basically it just separates it all so that the blood isn't constantly mixing. And that's just a hole um, between the atriums uh, so that, you know, it bypasses while you're in the uterus, but uh, when you're, you know, going about it... Uh, yeah, uh, when when a baby's born, they can't really have that because then their blood, unoxygenated blood, is getting through and pumped out to the body, which can cause some complications. Okay. Um, side tangent again. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Uh, the last one we're going to talk about is deep vein thrombosis and pulmonary embolism, and this is just where uh, blood clots form in the legs, uh, in the deep veins of the legs. So. Um, this can, uh, kind of show up as like, uh, painful, uh, swelling of the leg, a lot of redness on the affected leg happens, um, after surgery generally, uh, or other moments of like immobility. Mm -hmm. So like if you're sitting on a plane without like pumping your legs at all, uh, it can also, uh, cause that a little bit. Makes sense. Uh, 
And if it gets really bad, uh, it can develop into a pulmonary embolism where that thrombus uh, that was building up on the side of the lake, uh, which is like a sort of like a blood clot, um, really, it's a blood clot, and um, it will shoot up to uh, the heart, go through the heart, but as it goes up through the um, the right ventricle into the lungs, uh, through the uh, pulmonary vein, it will actually, um, or pulmonary artery, sorry, not the vein, uh, it will shoot through there and then get stuck in the very small uh vasculature of the lung and uh make it so that part of your lung starts dying so it's not a not a great experience for people there's lots of them learning today yeah um yeah it's uh, a lot of learning and uh, you know what so much learning in fact that i think that covers my part really yeah i think that's uh all really important stuff to take into consideration though i mean lots of those are some of them you can't really control, but, you know, we'll get into some of the things that exercise can actually help uh, benefit and it can actually help prevent. Um, a lot of those, if you're born with them, obviously you don't have uh, control of that. But um, I know that in regards of exercise in general, just keeping the heart healthy, it can actually lower the risks for lots of those. But I didn't know a lot of those things, so it's cool. Yeah, it's a, it, it's a whole... Very complicated system with lots and lots of different drugs and um, pathophysiology or disease. Because um, I no- noticed I was using pathophysiology there a lot, which is just, you know, uh, literally comes from like uh, physiology, which is your regular body's function uh, of systems. And patho is just, it's Greek, uh, like pathogen. Basically, I think it's like bad, bad physiology. Right on, right on. I think, uh, patho relating to disease. Okay. Never mind. There you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll hand it over to you now again. Sorry. It's all good. Cool. All right. So we are going to get into some of the benefits of aerobic exercise. Um, as mentioned above, we talked about heart rate. We talked about stroke volume. We talked about blood pressure. Um, so regular aerobic activity can actually help lower your heart rate um, it can actually help increase your stroke volume and it can help lower your blood pressure so like we kind of talked about before um, the average resting heart rate is between 60 to 80 Um, that typically drops off a lot more when you're more aerobically fit in a sense Um, usually people that are running like half marathons or full marathons are like usually stupid low Uh, i think i've seen some between like 40 to 50 which is crazy (laughs) Um, and then when it comes to stroke volume obviously it just increases the capacity that your body can handle so stroke volume is good and then when it comes to blood pressure too um, a healthy individual is typically kind of seen as the 110 over 70 um, but that 120 over 80 being that average so again just making your heart more efficient um, and it also helps loosen the ventricles so that way you're not having to pump as hard so helps lower that as well, which Tanner covered a lot of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, as some other side notes here, the benefits of aerobic exercise, it can increase your cardiac output. So in this sense, we're talking about your VO2 max, um, which you can usually have done uh, in a varying of 
aerobic assessments just to see where you're at and you kind of sit on like a scale or a chart and you can see where you sit um, currently and it's a good way to gauge progress just because you can reassess it obviously. Um, it also helps increase blood volume, increases your heart volume, uh, helps increase the blood flow to your lungs, um, it helps increase the size and number of the mitochondria. Um, mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. I'm sure powerhouse. I'm sure you've all heard that if you know have any bio background or any kind of physiology background. Or literally looked at any meme on the internet in the last five years. That, there you go. That was a big one in the last like five years. Maybe it was even ten years ago. But yeah. So we got we to talk about it to stay somewhat relevant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, there's also an increase in your mitochondrial enzymatic activity. Uh, it increases the efficiency of your capillaries. There is an increase in your fat oxidation as far as like the enzyme activity. There's an increase in your blood supply. Um, the vascularization to your heart, and like I mentioned before, increased stroke, stroke volume. There's an increase in the ventricular wall thickness, and there is a decrease in peripheral resistance. Yeah, and like really all that relates to is um, the same way that your uh, muscles hypertrophy um, from continuous use in the gym and that um, strain and resistance uh, that is the same thing with cardiovascular exercise. It gets your heart uh, beating faster. And that, because, we, as we mentioned, the heartbeat is basically just the muscles uh, of the heart pumping blood through the body, mm -hmm. that is actually working it harder. And the ventricle wall thickening and all that other good stuff is because your muscles are building there. Totally, um, yeah. And, like, there are cases where... Um, you you can actually have like a different cardiac disease that we didn't really talk about. I won't go into big detail, but it's basically like hypertrophy of the heart to the point of heart failure because mm -hmm. your heart gets too big. But um, usually that's actually unrelated to exercise. Usually you're you're pretty good if uh, just you, you, I can almost ninety nine point nine 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 percent guarantee that every single person listening to the podcast, all like three of you are <laughs> uh, will benefit from, uh, from uh, cardiovascular disease. I hope it's more than uh, that now, but I mean, yeah. cardiovascular activity. <laughs> yeah. I hope it's more than three now, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some other side note too is obviously um, since aerobic activity can help increase your cardiac output, it increases your body's ability to actually, accumulate to volume so it'll actually increase your work capacity in the sense of resistance training as well so not only is it beneficial in all of the regards we just spoke of but it can also improve your performance in the gym as far as just your weight training um, and your body being able to acclimate to progressive overload so i would definitely say that you should stay active as you can um, honestly even if you don't want to be doing anything crazy as far as running goes, um, even just doing like a slight incline on a treadmill where you're maintaining a brisk pace is good um, or going for walks now that the weather is nice too. It's just a matter of getting your steps in. Again, guys, just keeping a healthy heart and uh, it does have a good carryover to resistance training, obviously. Yeah, I'm like, you know, in defense of power lifters, um, depending on how much time you're giving in between sets and what your workload is, all 
aerobic training really is is um you know working the heart so you're actually like increasing that heart rate um to help improve that muscle and also taking uh, proper oxygenation so that way you are uh, going through aerobic metabolism which we can talk about in a later episode we've talked a little bit about it before but basically just using oxygen to power the body and the cells different energy system right yeah exactly compared to anaerobic where it's an oxygenless state of energy uh creation by the body which uh builds up lactic acid and all that icky stuff whereas you might be trying to get more oxidative lactic for this for this example right yeah exactly um lactic is oxidative and then a lactic would be non-oxidative oh okay Okay, that uh, that makes sense. Um, yeah, because alactic would be more so focusing on uh, immediate use of ATP and phosphocreatine. Right. Yeah. Uh, as you guys have just learned, uh, nurses don't think about the Krebs cycle very often. <laughs> <laughs> it's one yeah, of the like, things that uh, we're forced to learn about, unfortunately, but it's because it's really important, right? Yeah. With knowing how your body uh, responds to stress and the physiology, obviously, which carries over into what you spoke of earlier. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, basically, uh, if you take one thing away from this episode, uh, heart pump good, good juice around the body. Yeah. Size Thank matters. Thank you for listening. In regards so, to stroke. Size, <laughs> size matters. In regards to stroke volume. <laughs> we'll end no, on no, that just, note. Just, we'll just, end, uh, just end it on size matters. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.